when we are designing new spaces, I always say, especially in Vegas and, and elsewhere too, you know, what's your first impression? And then I like to say, what's your last impression? And so we try to think about the, it's hard, but I think about the intangibles, like how the space feels. Hi, this is Ted Kelly with another Ted's Hospitality Minute. Hey, today we've got a great guest on. His name is Brett Robillard. He is the principal studio director, design director at Gensler, Las Vegas. And he's going to come on and talk about all of the great things that they're doing out in Vegas and update us on all of the wonderful things going on at Gensler. Hi, Brett. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. We appreciate you giving us some time. That's a pleasure to be here. Good morning to you, Ted. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, before we get into the conversation, one of the things that we do on the THM is we always like to find out a little bit more about our guests because we find out, as you probably know, folks in the hospitality industry didn't necessarily start out wanting to be in the hospitality space. Can you tell us a little bit about your hospitality trek and was it something you always wanted to do? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm originally from Boston uh, and came out to Las Vegas in 2006, uh, actually to work on the Fountain Blue, which is finally going to open after 18 years. So, um, but uh, gosh, I've been doing architecture almost 30 years. Uh, and I, in my own career, I've been more what they call a generalist, where I've worked on everything from uh, stadium projects to office buildings to hospitality, of course. So <clears throat> when I moved out to Las Vegas, that was um, really, you know, you get more immersed in, in that uh, part of the architectural realm because it's so prevalent here. Uh, and, you know, so over the years and, and now being with Gensler and, and being you know, located here in Vegas, a lot of the work that we do, I'd say, gosh, maybe two thirds of the work we do touches hospitality or what we call lifestyle space. Uh, and that can range from hotels to casinos to food and beverage, um, even, you know, performing arts venues. So it's really exciting. It's very vibrant. Um, I, I do enjoy it. I think, you know, during my time here in Vegas, it's been, um, you know, I've, I've really learn to love the hospitality environment because it's it's fun you know i mean a lot of i've designed office buildings and those are nice too but it's it hospitality is great because most people are 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 engaging in those projects to have a good time you know and that 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 makes that brings me a lot of joy yeah that is a hundred percent spot on man because i tell you what it the hospitality space either you love it or you hate it <laughs> Yeah, the projects, I, I will tell you that, you know, every project has its own demands and, and nuances, but um, with hotels and, and the hospitality realm, they are very challenging projects. Um, there's a lot of layers to them. Uh, and in particular in Las Vegas, what we call an integrated resort is that, you know, the big casinos that have convention, performing arts center, because, you know, uh, all of the stuff that you've that people know of, all of that has to coexist and it, they become very complicated and demanding projects. So, uh, it's, um, it, it can be a grind sometimes, but it, 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 it's good. Tell us a little bit about Gensler. You're a pretty large architectural services firm, I believe, correct? Yes. Uh, Gensler started back in uh, the 60s uh, with only three people, including our founder, Art Gensler. Uh, and now we are close to 6,000 people worldwide. Uh, we have 
53 offices uh, across, I think it's four continents now. Um, so very, very large firm. Uh, you know, some of our offices are, are very big. Our New York office and Los Angeles office have hundreds of people. Uh, here in Las Vegas, we're just around 30 people. And so um, we operate, we're very, particularly after COVID and all the, you know, remote um, connections, we really operate sort of without boundaries. Uh, so we're constantly um, connecting with other folks in different offices. And, and the way we do that is just bring like whatever the right expertise is for any given project, we're, we're able to kind of push and pull and triangulate. Um, of course, we do a lot of the work, you know, here in Vegas from Las Vegas, but uh, the firm's really remarkable. I mean, it's, it's gone from uh, when we started was just an interior design firm. And of course, now we do, we have 26 different practice areas that involve high rises, hospitals, um, of course, hospitality. Um, and so it's a very deep, rich culture uh, with, um, you know, a huge impact throughout the world. And we also are, are keenly focused on issues about sustainability um, because of the reach that we have. It's really, I think, our responsibility um, to take the lead on that. And so we we have a very uh, keen focus on on those issues as well. Yeah, that is awesome. And congratulations. I I noticed a little bit of some of your rap sheet. You guys have got uh, all kinds of awards for interior design and architecture. Man, you guys are racking it up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got well, we have a lot of projects and uh but like I said, it's it it it's really interesting because you know, again, to hospitality in the recent years, um, we've transcended what I would consider a, um, a normal architecture practice because we do uh, planning, um, meaning, you know, for workplace uh, strategy. We also have what we call DXD, which is digital experience design. And so we've got an entire group of people within our firm, in fact, several groups that focus um, solely on digital content and how that interfaces with with architecture. And it's getting more and more prevalent, of course, with you know LED and augmented reality and all this kind of immersive uh, entertainment that we're seeing. And and so um, that's a very exciting aspect to what we do presently and, and where I think design and architecture is actually going. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Give me one second. I got to give a shout out to our sponsor here, THM Viewers. This episode is being sponsored by Recover It. If you've experienced a home fire, tornado, or hurricane, you know how easy it is to lose everything overnight. Well, Recover It is a new app that allows you to record everything in your home and store it in the clouds for easy retrieval should disaster strike versus you trying to recall all of your household valuables, jewelry, and heirlooms to settle claims with your insurance company. Check out the Recover It app today. And if you check the promo code on the screen, you'll get 50% off. And as always, we always ask our THM viewers to like us here on LinkedIn, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can catch this episode with Brett on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And we always appreciate your feedback and your comments. Thanks so much. All right, so Brett, talk a little bit about the design world. Let's get into the immersive design. I think there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that you guys kind of put into the pot, to the mix, should I say, when you're trying to come up with new ideas on the project. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think particularly, you know, Las Vegas is known as kind of the neon city. And over time, you know, what was once just neon uh, and some of these classic signs, which are really cool, um, has become high res LED. And, uh, you know, everything from the new sphere, which is truly remarkable, um, to, you know, the billboards that we see, all of that, um, you know, is, is starting to fuse with the built environment and I think a more exciting um, and prevalent way because, you know, before you used to just have, say, a video board somewhere. Now it, it could be an entire facade or, you know, as you move through a space, the manner in which you're interacting with digital content um, is becoming much, much more sophisticated. Um, and it's also, I think it's blurring the line between, you know, digital content and, uh, you know, the physical built space. And the, the big part of that is for me, when, and to your original question about when we start to design something, you know, you break, I, I'm old school, so I still have my markers and all that stuff. Some of the younger folks go right to the computer. Um, but we're always, we're trying to come up with, you know, sort of the driving force behind, behind any project, what the, we call it a party, you know, what the, the big idea is for anything. Um, and that could be, if, if it's a restaurant or a big resort, it's still similar in, in a way. And then, but what we're doing now is we're with our team and, and some of the new technologies, we're using these to, to sort of amplify the ideas. Um, a good example that's opened recently and has had a lot of success here in Las Vegas is called Area 15. Um, and it's effectively a, a, a very simple box, but inside is uh, off the, you know, off the charts, uh, immersive experiences that, you know, in some ways they're kind of choose your own adventure uh, where each time you experience the space might be a little different. Um, but they've been fabulously successful. I worked on two separate projects over there um, and Gensler continues to work with that group on a number of other similar projects, both locally uh, and elsewhere. So it's um, it's a really exciting time. I mean, architecture, I might, you know, career arc, I've even seen, you know, styles can kind of come and go. But I do think that at this point, we're at this sort of profound juncture where it's, you know, it's, it's pivotal. Architecture itself is, is starting to evolve um, on a, on a perhaps different trajectory. Yep. Yep. And, and you talked about the digital platforms and how it's, it's more alive and almost, it's almost like driving live customer engagement, right? Interaction with what's going on on a digital screen. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, man, this is almost like being at home watching television and you've got all this stuff coming at you, you know, it, you know, and these 30 second blips, right? It's like, oh, here's this, here's that, you know? So it's kind of interesting how it happens, but it's almost like it's a, it's a 100% live engagement all the time. It It is. And I mean, I think, that, you know, as much as I was suggesting how exciting that is, the, the, I think the dark side to that is that, you know, we're all sort of bombarded with information on our phones and TVs and all these other devices. Um, and so sometimes, you know, I think you have to, you, the, you have to be very careful not to lose the, I think, humanity of architecture and design and even hospitality so that it's not just, you know, I think if you're fully immersed in a video game, you may as well just be in a, at home with a, a set of goggles on, right? So, you know, we still take great care and think about the human 
experience um, and how technology can amplify that rather than, you know, replace it. And so, um, you know, when we, when we are designing new spaces, I always say, especially in Vegas and, and elsewhere too, you know, what's your first impression? And then I like to say, what's your last impression? And so we try to think about the, it's hard, but I think about the intangibles, like how the space feels. And it's kind of hard to draw that. Um, but what we are seeing is more almost multi-sensory type engagement and, uh, you know, sight, sound, even touch, tastes and smells is a tough one. But, you know, I mean, if you look at Disneyland, they do, you know, there's all these immersive rides where they, you know, they'll pump in pine scent and you're flying over you know the forest or something like that which you know i mean it's a little gimmicky but um it's you know the sense of smell is pretty strong and powerful for memory and so um we're seeing that too you know and and certainly for those of folks who have been to vegas many of the casinos have like a custom you know scent that they <laughs> pump through the casino and it helps it, it actually has a uh, a, a real trick to it to help you remember um, and tie into your olfactory senses to remember where, you know, that particular place. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. And everything is, is catered. I mean, everything is thought about. Everything is, you know, it's like there's a whole lot of thought that goes in how you walk into a certain hotel and who greets you and what does it feel like? Like you said, when you walk in, I mean, I am a big big proponent of first impressions. So when I walk in a lobby of a hotel, if it doesn't feel right, that's kind of my first, hmm, you know, let me see, let me, <laughs> you know, let me see how this is going to go. And then, you know, then the people kick in, right? And then people, you know, how they engage, how they talk and, you know, all that stuff kind of adds to it, you know, it's either adding to it or it's taken away to taken away from it for me. But I am a big touchy-feely guy. I like to see what the atmosphere feels like and, you know, kind of take it in like with a deep breath or something like that to get my first, uh, you know, barometer of how things are going to go. But but it's, it's a tough job that you guys have because there are so many little things that really make big differences, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's the architecture for me and, and, and design, you know, I, I don't necessarily draw a line between architecture and, and design or interior design, uh, although they are somewhat different disciplines. But, you know, when we think of design, it's very holistic. Um, the, the fun part you know, is part of the design and the and the generation of it and working with the clients. And, you know, they're really the ones that that have the initial idea, whether it's a developer or, you know, another a company, um, you know, they're the one that says, hey, we want to do X. And then it's up to us as the architects and designers to sort of interpret that, shape it um, and, and um, you know, uh, bring them to perhaps a, a different place, but it's still, I mean, they're the ones that, that drive it. But uh, aside from all the fun stuff of sketching and visualization and all that, you know, we have to think about building codes and, and of course, all the engineering that goes behind it, um, structural engineering, mechanical engineering. There's, there's so many different aspects to it that have to come together, um, which makes it very exciting and codes change and, you know, the different municipalities have different rules. And, you know, in Las Vegas, for example, there's a very, very strict fire codes. Um, and so, you know, all that has to be taken into account. And, you know, when it's done right, hopefully it's, it's 
somewhat invisible and you really, you know, you focus on what you were saying, the sort of, you know, that, that experience. I will tell you one anecdote. It's somewhat obtuse, but um, I, with all the digital technology and all this stuff, you know, I went to a Coldplay concert at the Rose Bowl about a month ago and it's, fireworks and lights and all kinds of stuff and during one of the songs they asked everybody to put their cell phones away and that was the most special moment because it, it felt human in a way that not everybody was looking at their reality through a device and so you know i think that that was a really profound moment and something that uh, in design um as an influence i i look at all different things it could be a concert for example and um you know, we have to still consider the human element and, and, and social interaction so that we, we aren't creating spaces that are so overwhelming and so digitized that, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not humane. And that's a fine line these days because the demand for it and people's enthusiasm for it is pretty strong. Um, yeah. T tell me what, if you had to look at project over your career and kind of sum them up, what do you what do you what would you say are the three toughest challenges you have when you're trying to engage in a new project? Um, gosh, uh, I mean the one of the hardest, yeah, I mean the one of the big drivers, of course, with any project is is budget, and and a lot of those, you know, that historically, you know, is is almost never unlimited. Um, and so we have to always, that's another constraint on our work. And what makes it very difficult is that, you know, at the onset of a project, you're dreaming it all up and it's sort of boundless, but then it has to be reined in and, and, and still, you know, meet the, the client's budget and we got to work with the contractor and there's substitutions for stuff to try and get it everything in line. And you just hope that it doesn't get compromised so much that, you know, you, the original idea is, you know, is undermined. Um, but, you know, other, I mean, other challenges, you know, gosh, I'm, there's been so many over my career. I can't, you know, there's, there's plenty of times when something's in construction and, you know, a steel beam is not where you think it's going to be and it's very disruptive and you have to make changes sort of on the fly and then modify the drawings. And, you know, th those issues come up big and small on almost every project. And it's just part of the nature of building. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the Fountain Blue earlier. I mean, that certainly was a, a very challenging project in terms of what it is because it's so it's so intense. It's almost 9 million square feet. Um on a on a fairly small parcel of land um but that project suffered from you know the recession of 2008-9 and it stalled and then it came back again and then covid happened and then it stalled again and finally oh. the original owner has bought it back and they're opening it in uh actually less than a month so that's a that was an 18 year waiting period for, for me and you know it's that i think is is one of the hardest things in our in our day and age of instant gratification you know architecture and design still takes a a fairly long time to to come to fruition and so there's projects you know hopefully at, at my point in my career i've got concurrent projects so there's almost always something under construction or, or near opening which is exciting um but in many cases you know we're working on projects that that may be you know take five years to come to fruition if not longer and then if you do a master plan 
you may never see it complete. It could be 50 years before this thing, you know, com comes to its final uh, culmination. But um, that's just part of it, too. Yeah, man, that is awesome. And what a, what a great answer, because you, you really did just kind of say, you know, some of this stuff takes, you know, you could start here and who knows, you may not even be around when the project finishes. <laughs> and, be, and because of just what happens in the economy and you know, in life, sometimes it starts, it stops, it starts, it stops, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it, it can, it can really be a, an interesting life cycle to see a project that started, you know, on the back of a napkin or, you know, something like that actually get to a place where you could actually walk in and touch and feel the, uh, the actual building. That, that, that's a mm -hmm. interesting answer. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the, 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 the arc of it all is, 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 tough and the other the other thing i'd say is you know not every project in fact many projects we work on never see the light of day and so that can be frustrating too so it just helps you celebrate the ones that you do get built that much more you know i've right. probably worked on I, hundreds of projects that that aren't going anywhere they're just you know paper architecture filed on my computer <laughs> <laughs> Ready, ready for when the owner decides they want to do something, or maybe not. <laughs> Someday, <laughs> and that does happen. Sometimes that does happen. Someone will call right. you back and say, "Hey, I'm ready to go." You know, yeah, well, it's awesome. rare, but sometimes it happens. <laughs> Let me remind our viewers: hey, this episode is being sponsored by Recovery. If you've experienced a home fire, tornado, or hurricane, you know how easy it is to lose everything overnight. Well, Recover It is a new app that allows you to record everything in your home, store it in the cloud for easy retrieval should disaster strike versus you trying to recall all of the household valuable jewelry heirlooms that you may have in your home to settle up with your insurance company. Check out Recover It today. Use the promo code on the screen and get 50% off. And we always like to remind our viewers to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us here on LinkedIn, and you can catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well, where Brett episode will be there shortly. All right, got, a, got another question for you, Brett. Talk about the new markets in Las Vegas, sports, stadiums, studios. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so th that's um that's a very interesting topic. Um, having been here, you know, since two thousand six, um, even in that span of time, I've seen the city. I think it's almost doubled in population since I first moved here, which is crazy. So, um, and Las Vegas historically has had boom bust economies. So it it runs real hot. There's a ton of building, and then all of a sudden, you know, it corrects, and then it it's it's not a particularly level place, right? <laughs> Which maybe, you know, being Las Vegas is, is just what it is. However, as the city's grown, um, it's just vital that it diversifies because that's going to help level things out, improve the quality of life, different kinds of jobs, different kinds of experiences. Um, and so over the past, um, you know, few years now, we've added the Golden Knights as a hockey team, and I'm a big hockey fan. So that's been very exciting and well-received. And then more recently, we've got the Raiders here. Um, there's speculation that an NBA team is is likely going to be coming. And of course, we've got the Oakland A's um, that have committed to building a ballpark here, not too far from our office, right on the strip. And so, you know, I'm being from Boston. I'm a firm believer in, in that 
you know, and I've seen it and lived it, that sports can really bring a lot to a city's culture. Um, and I think it already has. And so that's very exciting to see. And then also, um, this coming winter, I believe it's February, uh, there's a legislative tax um, program that they're looking to pass, and I hope they do, um, that would allow for film studios, sound stages to, to have a tax incentive to, to move here. And that could be huge. Um, you know, we, we, and Gensler actually does quite a bit of the, these kinds of facilities, um, not just in Southern California, but all over the place. I, we've got one in, um, I think Montana, New Mexico. Um, and so companies are finding that, you know, the amount of land and the cost of the land to, to build these structures, in Southern California, it's very difficult, very expensive. And so I think it's a wonderful, um, it would be a wonderful augment to our local economy. And it, and it's also, you know, affiliated with entertainment and, and all that. And we've got, you know, aside from the heat in the summer, pretty stable weather, no earthquakes, generally speaking. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I, that's what's really happening in Vegas. But maybe back to an earlier point on the immersive design, that is, you know, certainly, like I mentioned, the sphere. Um, there's a number of other projects that we're seeing that are, you know, trending much more towards that kind of environment. Uh, 10 years ago, the big, the big draw in town was, you know, the nightclubs and day clubs, and they, they still exist. Um, but we're seeing a, a total new kind of percolation um, with this kind of um, project w being the immersive design. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the sports venues. I think anytime you can add, you know, the professional space, uh, football, NBA, baseball, you know, even the college venues. I mean, anytime you can add that venue to a, a locale or city, whatever, I think you automatically get you know, a time 10 explosion kind of people that would be willing to come in, visit your city, obviously spend money, generate revenue for the city, of course, but enjoy the space outside of outside of gambling. I guess everybody doesn't necessarily gamble, but having the other venues, the other options definitely helps out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for, I actually forgot to mention, um, we've got the WNBA team and they've won two championships. So we did their uh, practice facility here. So we've got, you know, women's, you know, professional basketball and, you know, a, a myriad of other things. I mean, I don't, <clears throat> there's also been talk about major league soccer coming here. I mean, it's just, there's times I, I look around, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many arenas do we have in this town, you know, for 2 million people? Um, but, um, you know, all of that stuff, as you mentioned, you know, the, what, what I've seen is that gambling numbers, I mean, they continue to rise in volume, but in terms of their increase year over year, it's somewhat flat. Um, whereas the other stuff, sports, entertainment, concerts, residencies, that is, uh, continues to grow. And I think the younger generation is, is perhaps less interested in gambling, um, uh, and more interested in, you know, one-off entertainment shows, you know, other rides, whatever it may be. And so that's interesting to see. And, and Las Vegas is an incredibly resilient place. Just when I, you know, you think it's down um, on its luck, it's some, you know, these, these geniuses come up with the bravado to, to make, you know, a big splash and do something truly extraordinary. And, you know, again, on the, like with the football, one, one thing we're finding is the hockey games are generally a, a good mixed crowd with a lot of locals. 
um, I've seen at the football games, there's a lot of out of town fans that come. And so that home field advantage is not quite what you think it is because it's such a draw to have visitors come here and see their home team in Las Vegas play and then make a weekend out of it or something like that. So there's definitely peripheral economic um, positive impact from, from the sports. And I think it will continue to be that way. Yeah, I, th I think you're a hundred percent on that one. Cause you still got a lot of Raider fans that still live in California. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. So, you know, that, that probably, that's probably some of the influx that's coming into the uh, Las Vegas uh, environment for the Raiders game. But, but Brett, man, hey, I want to thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. Love what you guys do. I love the space you're in. I probably could talk to you for another 10 or 20 minutes. But you know what? <laughs> Our viewers don't normally have that kind of attention span. So, <laughs> I get so I'm not, <laughs> not going to press them and try to have them hanging on that long. They'll just be dropping off anyway. But, but we appreciate the time today. Love what you're doing over at Gensler. You guys keep up the good work. All right. Sure. Well, yeah, I appreciate you having me on any, anytime. It's it always fun to talk about design and architecture. Yes, yes. And as always, we like to remind our viewers, follow us here on LinkedIn, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can catch this episode with Brett on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And as always, we appreciate your thoughts and feedback on every segment. This has been another Ted's Hospitality Minute. We'll see you again next time. Have a great day, everybody. Ted's Hospitality Minute is sponsored by Recover It. Don't wait for disaster to happen to wish you had done this.